Purchase Ford Fan Zone all you need tickets to an upcoming Utah Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all you can eat tickets now. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst and former Utah BYU basketball staffer. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Does this all-star break just drive you nuts? This is too many nights without NBA basketball. This is uh, too many nights. Yeah. It, it was nice for a minute. It was nice for a minute to catch everybody catch their breath. But yeah, it, it's it's a little extended into the week. Yeah. So uh, it creates winter doldrums or, or one thing, and then not having a really anything major to watch. Uh, I, I I concur. It's it's a little bit long. It's a little bit long, but I'm starting to get into. My second favorite time of the year. My first favorite is when I kick your butt on the golf course. Huh. The second, oh. I mean, huh. shots fired. True, what it? Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, you you got room for potential. You're not quite there yet, uh, but still too much of a fade. You know, I gotta, <laughs> gotta tighten that thing up. <laughs> this time of year is when I really start to get jacked about basketball. Once we've passed President's Day, now all these brackets and stuff. I don't really pay attention to them before, but now, you know, you know who's going to have a good shot to get in and who's uh, maybe can they move up a seat or two. And and now the NBA, the finish line is there. Uh, one of the and you can see it, and they know it, and somehow it just makes it all right. We got to turn it on now. Jazz got twenty eight games. One of the things we had on Chris Burgess last week, and he said to us, uh, he said we've told these kids. You got six weeks to go, and we need everything you got in these next six weeks because it's going to go by and then it's going to be over. And with a senior-laden team, it's the same. I think it's the same thing in the NBA, you know, in terms of all right, now's the time. When you were coaching, did you see once we got into past the middle of February, did you see an opportunity, or did the, the, the players and the coaches? Did you just feel it? Now's really the time to turn it on. Yeah, it's uh, you know I think you get you get a, a second wind um, when you can kind of, for lack of a better word, you know, see the barn. Um, the season is long, and there's you know a lot of of dog days. You know, throughout January, um, you know, you kind of go through that period of time where it's really exciting to play preseason games. You get rolling, you get through that, you get into league, and man, it becomes just like knocking your head against the wall. Um, but when you can actually see, you know, you're weeks away from uh, a conference tournament uh, or in the NBA context, the playoffs, and, and everybody's at that point jostling for position, um, you, you do get a second wind. And then once that that second season kind of starts, um, it even brings you more because at that point, hey, you know, everything's kind of reset and everybody's got a chance. So, um, this is definitely a time where I think everybody's fatigued and, and worn out, but at the same time feeling, you know, pretty energized by what's in front of them. So, unlike PK, I'm following the brackets like a month earlier, and then he's making fun of me, which is, uh, you know, no, pow- you, it's powered you, the show for years. So the preseason, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm totally against the Lenardi October bracket. I draw, I draw the line against the October bracket. But by, okay, okay, but, we believe but, you. But, but by mid-December, I'm all in. 
And I think part of the reason is that when you look at these leagues and look at Utah State and look at BYU and look at the schedules down the stretch, when Utah State went two of their last three games are Wyoming and San Jose and they're playing the 10th and 11th place teams, it's like a lot of the work has already been done. You know, the, the die has been cast. There's, there's only a little bit of wiggle room. When you were late in the season, did you feel that sometimes? Like, man, we got seven games left, but there's like two games and everything rides on them. Yeah, I, I guess you could look at it that way. But, I, I mean, I, I think at the same time, you know, I was talking with uh, Cody Seeger last night late um, down at BYU, and, you know, he's in the office just – Obviously knows they've got Gonzaga on Saturday, but you know their focus, and, and it has to be. Even though you know we look at a Wyoming or a San Jose State or a Santa Clara as as not one of those big opportunities, they become really big issues if you don't take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, I mean, the mental focus to be able to understand. Hey, every game, obviously, there's some that are perceived bigger than others, but they all count. Everybody, like I said, is jostling for position. Um, right now, you kind of start playing the game where, you know, all right, I guess in, in the WCC, unless you're Gonzaga, I mean, everybody else is trying to figure out where they fit. Um, BYU looks like they're in a really great spot to get all those buys and get a second spot, which is huge. Um, but one night, you know, if you don't take it seriously and you kind of look past it, um, you know, and that that's really costly. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's there's only a couple things that you know, big things left, but you got to take care of those little things too. All right. So, can a four game losing streak, or actually five game losing streak, I should say, for the Jazz, and a one point win at San Diego for the Cougars, is that actually beneficial? Yeah, I I think you know, and you guys could talk about this. I think. I'm a big believer that disappointment or adversity can can motivate you to be better. Um, you know, and, and I'll speak about the BYU thing first. I mean, going out on the road, it's anybody's guess. I mean, you flip a coin, um, even if you're in a gym that is mostly BYU fans, which San Diego game was, I mean, still you're in an opponent's gym, you know, you're traveling, you're on the second half of a road trip. And really, at the end of the day, my philosophy is it's, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many. Um, um, you know, and so that one point win at the end of the day, the, the BYU got some real uh, strength out of that by, you know, having to execute a couple times to get scores, having to execute down the stretch to get a stop. Um, and that kind of stuff really helps you as tournament time comes around because you're a little stronger because of it. Uh, in the Jazz situation, I say this all the time, they're playing against the best players in the world, and whether we think you know, it's a watered-down roster or if guys are hurt, at the end of the day, they're still professionals. Um, they're still, you know, if you count up the teams, uh, they're still the best players in the world. And so in the Jazz case, it's a matter of just kind of sharpening and refining. You know, they go through an 11-game win streak, and everybody – is so excited, and there was some real strength in that because the Jazz figured out how to win games a lot of different ways in that 11-game stretch. In the four-game losing streak, I think everybody started to panic because, you know, it was defense wasn't great, and, uh, you know, everybody's talking about execution and focus, and, um, you know, will Mike Conley ever come around, and 
all the stuff and and I think all that stuff just leads to you having a uh, you know it tells your story it helps you define yourself and I think what the Jazz are looking at now you know after winning uh, four more in a row is is the five games at home um, all very winnable um, and kind of get back on on track in that second half with a, a, a big long win streak. And then, you know, have 28 games, like you mentioned, and 16 of them being at home and 12 on the road. And the way the Jazz have played on, at home, uh, for the most part, has been great. So um, use all that stuff to your advantage. I guess that's my long-winded answer. So in addition to defaulting to December brackets, when it comes to the NBA, I'm also win as many games as you can, get the best seed and the easiest path you can. And I know not everyone thinks like that. And I'm wondering if the Clippers are about to take it to a brand new level. Because they match up pretty well with the Lakers. They seem to be into resting as much as possible in the regular season. And maybe Kawhi Leonard is carrying stuff, previous injury, and will never really be right. And he really needs this. Or maybe they're just being ultra-careful and it's what he thinks he needs. But do you think the Clippers are going to dump enough games and finish fourth on purpose because they think they're that good and why not play the Lakers in the second round? It's two weeks. You don't have to travel in the NBA playoffs. Who gets that? That's an added little bonus, and they think they can beat the Lakers because they've already done it a couple times. How are, how are the Clippers going to handle the stretch run when everybody like Denver and Utah is trying to win? Are the Clippers going to be negotiating a fourth-place finish? It's interesting because, you know, I actually watched, you know, for the first time uh, everybody, you know, I talk about Jocelyn for position. The NBA is a little bit different, and I, I did see last year, you know, some gamesmanship down the stretch that I, I never really paid that much attention to because I was so caught up in um, in the college game. But covering the Jazz and watching, you know, the last few nights and watching how everybody handled it, one thing I do know about the Clippers, they've certainly got a plan, um, load management plan with Kawhi, and I think it's probably something that's written into his contract. I would not put it past them, nor really any team, um, to try to play toward a favorable matchup. I think that in and of itself, you know, I, I wish everybody played every night and that every game was important, but it's just not, doesn't seem to be that way. Um, so I, I wouldn't put it past them. I do think at the end of the day, playoffs are all about matchups. And, you know, the, for the Jazz, the biggest thing they can do in my mind is try to avoid the Rockets in the first round um, because that is, you know, the Rockets have, have really kind of proven to be um, really tough for the Jazz and the way they play offense and the way that they play defense causes them a ton of issues. Uh, in the Clippers' case, I, like I say, I'd, I would not be surprised if there is some kind of algorithm that they're already studying to try to figure out positioning because I think that's what it, the NBA has kind of come to and, and front offices are about. So you mentioned Houston. They pick up Jeff Green and Damari Carroll. How much do you think they'll help? Well, it, it really all depends. I mean, I think that um, those guys, you know, we, we kind of saw what Jeff Green has left in the tank and Right, you know, I'd say it's a little bit spotty from what we saw. At least our our data points. Um, I've always been a huge Demari Carroll guy, but I don't know what he brings coming in now to the season. I think it all kind of comes down to how it fits, how guys accept them, how the chemistry is. Um, but two big, you know, athletic, strong guys that can probably 
do a decent job of uh, playing the way the Rockets play, you know, offensively watch Harden and Russ dribble around from the corner, um, get an occasional offensive rebound defensively, switch everything. Uh, so I, I would imagine, I, I don't know that that's a, a move that does much for them in the long run. Last thing, and then we'll let you go here. I'm curious, you know, Mike Conley, statistically, these last four or five games really different. Now, if we hadn't had the All-Star break, you know, he would have played another four or five games. It'd probably, you know, go a long way towards answering itself. But do you think, even if he isn't 25-5 and five guy, if he's even close to that, then all the gnashing of teeth over the last 50-whatever uh, games doesn't matter, does it? No. Uh, and it's actually something I preached you know, just because I've got such a level head, uh, <laughs> okay. I've preached from the studio uh, night nightly when I'm in there. Is you know, you have to let this thing play out. Um, we all want to, you know, reading a great book, and we all want to turn to the end to see how it ends. But the real joy in it is going through the story, um, and and it's pretty evident that Mike came in, and the expectation in my mind was through the roof. Um, and there was really no credence given to the fact that he uh, was coming to an entirely different locale, you know, geographically, um, trying to settle in with a whole bunch of new teammates um, and a different style of play. I do think that, you know, the biggest issue that has been there for Mike is he's used to having the ball in his hands and making pretty much every play, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas now, you know, with Jow's, one of the, the great things about this team, and then one of the things that's been difficult, is they've got a bunch of guys who can initiate offense, who can play in ball screens, um, and they got a bunch of guys who are capable of doing that. So my thought is that, like you said, DJ, I think that all of this gnashing of teeth, uh, you know, at the end of the day, maybe we'll all come back and say, you know, I don't know if it was a great move, and we may come back and say it was the best move Jazz have ever made, or somewhere in the middle. But the beauty of it is that's why we get to watch. Um, you know, there was the all-star break, but now we get to start playing games again here soon. Uh, and with five games right out of the gate at home, we'll all get a real good look at how, the, how this continues to evolve. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll hear you on the Jazz Broadcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst and... Of course, former assistant coach at BYU, and before that he was on the Utah staff.